the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, markets, new year. Stock market followed a winning course yesterday. Small cap issues led a broad-based move higher. Small cap companies have exposure to the U.S. Typically, small cap stocks that are traded in the United States on the Russell 2000 don't have a lot of exposure to foreign markets. Uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost less than 60 points. Or not, no, no. How, uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is 60 points away from that widely publicized big round 20,000 level. Um, and it's going to be an underwhelming achievement when it gets there. Department store companies like Macy's and Kohl's, they provided a buzz kill of sorts with earnings warnings uh, tied towards holiday sales that were disappointing. Macy's, on top of that, also went on to um, announce that they're closing some stores. Uh, and it's dramatic again. It just keeps happening. And it's something that's not going to go away. Um, in fact, the trend will continue in 2017. But Macy said they're closing 68 stores. Job cuts will total 10,100. So Macy said sales dropped during the holidays. Um, of the 68 stores out of 730 total, nine closings have been previously announced. So it's not a total surprise. But they're not announcing growth. Announcing contraction. Um, you know, the retail giant Macy's also said that they're going to cut layers of management and its central operations. They're going to pair the number of managers supporting stores. Uh, they're going to do the best they can to, you know, continue to tighten the belt. So for them, it's a big reduction in space, and a lot of stores aren't pulling their weight. And this is absolutely tied towards the Amazon effect. And Amazon has drastically changed the landscape and 
it's changed shopping. But again, shopping's changed in the last 100 years. We used to want to take the train to the store. Now we want to drive to the store. Now, then we want it to have the store drive to us. Thank you, Amazon. Consumers open their wallets, though. They'd made purchases on everything from toys to apparel. But a record amount of spending for the season went to online sales retailers this year. Um, so, again, you're going to see more and more companies announce closures. I don't think there's any way Sears Kmart uh, survives. Uh, I don't know how they change, but I don't see them surviving in the way that we know them today. So that's one of the stories inside the market today. So market participants are realizing department store retailers have big issues. There's some signs of improving global growth, which we're seeing some encouraging signs out of some services PMI readings out of Asia and Europe. There's yet another uplifting reading for the initial jobless claims. So once again, um, First-time unemployment jobless claims fell to a near 43-year low. So it dropped to a seasonally adjusted 235,000, so says the Labor Department. That was close to the 233,000 touched in mid-November. Um, it's just, it's crazy. Uh, we may not have the quality of jobs. We may not have the pay level of jobs. But we certainly have um, competition out there. And we're, we've created jobs. So, now again, maybe not the type of ones that we all want. Residual sources of support in the market today. A little bump in oil prices. The API, the American Petroleum Institute. They reported a 7.4 million barrel drawdown. Um, the ADP employment change report was a bit of a disappointment. It said that we added about 153,000 jobs in the private sector. Uh, versus expectations of about 215,000. So again, we're that's not a horrible number, but it's on the weak side. We're not adding. We're probably at full employment. Um, again, I'm not an economist, so that's why I'm going to throw in the word probably. But I feel good. I knew that I should. Now, no, I'm not going to go into a little James Brown. But ow, the employment situation report for December is going to be re- released on Friday, and that's always a big one. So where are we? And again, obviously we're in a transition of presidents. Um, There was news tied towards the president-elect Donald Trump again. And again, is this him? Is this not him? But Black & Decker said, you know, we're going to keep a factory here in the United States. Last week, Ford said the same thing. And Ford, by keeping a factory or creating a factory in the United States, it's going to add 700 jobs that are going to be in a state of the United States. Um, you know, obviously Mexico says we're going to lose 3,000 jobs to the U.S. as the U.S. gets 700 jobs. But again, it shows you the cost of labor that everyone is dealing with in these kind of conversations. Stanley Decker uh, said that it's going to open a new $35 million manufacturing plant, basically bowing to Trump's border tax threat. Um, expanding American manufacturing makes business sense amid pervasive uncertainty regarding the future of U.S. trade with China and Mexico. So says Stanley Decker, Black and uh, Stanley Black and Decker CEO James Lortold. So uh, Stanley Decker plans to add about 1,200 manufacturing jobs over the next three years to a current staff of about 3,000, and it's all tied to this quote-unquote border tax. Now, 
again, this is where it gets like everyone's going to have their own opinion and everyone's going to be mad at the other side. But on one level, maybe that Trump threat just created 700 jobs for Ford and you know 3,000 jobs here and there for Stanley Black and Decker. Um, and yeah, Mexico lost 3,000 jobs, and of course, America's got affluence that other countries don't have. Should we be sp- sharing the wealth, spreading the wealth? Um, everyone's going to have an opinion on this, but I bet you if you live in that state that's adding 700 American jobs, you're like, good for us. Um, but anyway, you see where this is, gets complicated quickly. So so tomorrow's going to be a big day because we get that um, unemployment number, the first Friday of the month. The stock market looks slated ultimately to struggle today. As the market gets closer to 20,000, the markets have problems saying, okay, we're going to bust through it. It's kind of testing it. It's kind of playing with it. It's kind of getting up there. It's pulling back. It's digesting. It's getting up there. Um, so will we get there? We'll get there. Um, am I upset that we're not there yet? No. Uh, this market's had a big move that went pretty darn fast, all things considered. Elsewhere in the news of the world, Bitcoin, which is something that I just I don't feel comfortable talking a lot about. I don't think it helps a lot of people to talk about it. This is a show that's designed for the masses. This is a show designed to get you to retirement. Bitcoin's got a lot of speculation tied towards it. I'm not against speculation. I'm just against speculation for your grandmother or for your grandson uh, that doesn't need to be speculating. So Bitcoin tanked yesterday 23%. Now, it crept up big time last year. It's a cryptocurrency, and it crept up in large part because of what we're seeing come out of China um, and the world fears of their 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 currency. So, um, absolutely, if the yuan goes up, Bitcoin goes down. So, I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, is going on in Vegas this week. You'll see a lot of TVs, Ultra HD, you'll see smart homes, you'll see more drones. One of my favorite things over the holidays, I took a little time off. And I, like I said, I'm watching more YouTube, and I'm embarrassed to say that, than I am watching television. One of the things I did on YouTube was uh, you type in drones and you type in fail, and it shows you people who got drones for Christmas, and, well, they just don't control them like the professionals do, or like children do. And uh, these drones are like crashing into people, taking out hair. Uh, pretty humorous to watch. So type in drones fail, and drones are going to be a big story going forward. Not going away. 
elsewhere out there. Amazon dominated the e-commerce online shopping again. 38% of sales went to Amazon this year. Uh, Best Buy at 3.9%. So a big jump from 35 to 3.9%. Um, but 38% number one, 3.9% number two. Target comes in number three. Walmart number four. Macy's number five. Apple number six. And then you start getting into some like weird ones like Home Depot. Home Depot pulled in 1.1% of the online holiday sales. That's not crazy bad if you think that Amazon pulled in 38%. But anyway, you can see where uh, Amazon's going. They're talking about buying American apparel right now because it's made in America. And there is a president who might have some problems with Amazon. And how better to fix things than buying something that makes him look good. With that said, let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com, manages wealthy clients. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. What is a wealthy client, Chad? Um, the wealthy clients, I mean, typically the, the average definition is people with over, you know, 350 to 500,000 in assets. You become concerned about upside and, and downside and overall planning in terms of tax efficient investing what you're supposed to be doing for college, what you're supposed to be doing with your estate plan. You see a large amount of money that you've saved up, so you can say, okay, now I can finally start picking dates in the future to achieve achieve certain goals such as retirement. Now, part of a financial plan or part of portfolio or bonds, stocks, bonds, real estate. We keep hearing those three assets, stocks, bonds, real estate. Um, Bonds aren't sexy. Bonds are IOUs. What do we need to know about said bonds? Um, well, bonds, <laughs> it's tough because we're in a situation where you don't think interest rates can go any lower and then central banks continue to print money and bonds continue to rise in value. But what, the thing that you need to know is as bonds go up, their interest rates go down or vice versa. So bonds is an area that you really have to pay attention to and be vigilant about right now. If we come into a situation of inflation or rising rates or the Fed decides to finally stop buying treasuries on a monthly basis. Um, since what, about mid-2012 or early 2012, they've been buying $85 billion a month of their own of our own U.S. treasuries. Um, if When that turns, it can turn really quickly, and you can realize that you can have some short-term pain in your bond funds. So looking at your overall exposure to bonds and saying, okay, I need don't forget about foreign bonds. If you want to hedge against a falling dollar, we've talked about this before, you can earn interest in other currencies, and then if the dollar drops, you bring that money back into the U.S., which a bond fund pretty much does for you, um, it can be a natural hedge, and you can get higher rates. And other countries have a much better balance sheet than the U.S., so don't forget about that. Um, I would really look and research your bond managers right now and make sure that you have a manager that is flexible, that has already looked at shortening duration, which is a bond sensitivity, the length of the bond, and that they're aware and very in tuned of what the Fed is doing. I'm not a fan of like an index bond fund right now because it's not smart enough. Okay. Um, a, a guy that I think has done a great job in the past is Gunlock from Double Line. Um, that's somebody you can kind of research and and stay on top of his you know publications and white papers and things like that and, and see what he's paying attention to. He's been very smart as well as you know you've got Bill Gross, Pimco. He's the most known bond manager out there and the largest bond fund in the world. Is that good to go with someone who's the most well-known, largest, or do you like to go with the smartest or the best return or the cheapest? What well, are you looking for in bonds? 
I, I, I'm steering clear of the super large funds right now just because of those are the funds that if there's a sudden snap in interest rates and they start moving higher, those are the funds that are most well-known and those are the funds that have the most retail investors that tend to run for the doors at the wrong time, causing okay. the bond fund manager to have to sell. So you want to go with the well-known manager, but not in the higher side of the bonds. Um, Do you have a preference between treasury bonds, corporate bonds, high-quality corporate bonds, junk bonds, municipal bonds? Um, I think municipal bonds at this point are still fine in, in California if you stay with the more intermediate term. If you're a high-income earner, I think they're fine. Um, and in terms of treasury bonds, I don't own anything real government-specific at this point in time. Um, any government exposure is more in the world of Ginnie Mae's mortgage-backed securities. So things can change, um, but I'm not into the long-term treasury bonds at this point because interest rates are too low and people are not being compensated enough to hold those assets. What do you think about the concept of um, when we're younger, let's say under 45, is, or you come up with a number, I tend to prefer publicly traded real estate investment trust over bonds mm-hmm. because I get that... But then again, maybe I'm just doubling down on real estate because I like stocks, bonds, and real estate. And for me to say I don't really like bonds as much as like publicly traded REITs, you know, REITs give you four, five, six percent income. Well, you're used are you to. with? Yeah. They're, I mean, they're so they, everybody piled into REITs, so the, the yields are at all time lows right now. But you know, when we first started talking about REITs, and people have thanked us for showing them REITs, you know, because they've they've done well over the last you know decade. Um, as those companies have grown up to be bigger, well-known companies, they're now part of different indexes like the S&P 500. So, you know, before if you were to buy the S&P 500, there wasn't really REITs in it. Now there are. And so any any dividend asset fund or anything like that actually owns some REITs. So your exposure might be there and you don't, with REITs, you don't even know it. You know what I mean? They've, it's, it's become a part of portfolios automatically now. Gotcha. So you, don't, see, oops, you, you don't necessarily have to go buy an individual REIT fund to have exposure to REITs. Okay, I'm with you. Smart, as always, intelligent, wise, beyond his years. CFP Chad Burton. It's CFP Chad Burton with NewFocusFinancial.com. It's NewFocusFinancial.com is the easiest way to find the company. I'm Rob Black. There's a lot of really good stuff at NewFocusFinancial.com. If if you're not working with a financial planner and you're nearing retirement, I highly recommend it. It's a move that I made about 15, 16 years ago that I saw the financial planning world becoming much, much more important um, than the investment advisory world. Now, there's always going to be do-it-yourselfers, and I'm going to tell you, do-it-yourselfers, you're going to underperform over time compared to a financial planner because laws and taxes uh, change, as well as strategies in good economies and bad economies, as well as presidents and interest rates and inflation. There's a lot going on, not just picking a stock. With that said, there's more information at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's Rob Black Show. I'm biggity biggity back. Looking for a big 2017 relationship year with you. Uh, don't be shy. Send me questions and thoughts. Are you ready for self-driving cars? They seem to be ramping up. Take a break here. I'll be right back. Yeah. 
back now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back again. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening to the show. I do wildly appreciate it. Um, I can't say that enough. Um, I'm watching the news because I work at a news station, and one of the stories this morning is last night there was an apartment fire in Concord. Now, apartments, you know, they differ from state to state, city to city. Um, this is one where there are, you know, it's kind of two levels. They're kind of more like condos, depending on what you define, but as an apartment. Anyway, uh, it looks like two or three units got thrashed. So it was a fire in one unit that thrashed another two units, right? So follow me here. This is why you need rental insurance. When I was 21, 22, 23 and renting, in my head of heads, I was like, I don't need rental insurance. If someone wants my old, you know, 24-inch TV that's heavy as a, you know, stack of books or whatever you want to say, uh, you could have it. But that's not realistically true. I had a lot of clothes. I had a dresser. I had a bed. I had sheets. I had a desk. I had a computer. I had pictures on those computers. Um, I had a lot going on. And it would have upset me to have lost that, per se. Uh, rental insurance is cheap. It's not expensive. You insure what you can't afford to lose. If you have nothing and you live in a backpack in someone's basement, then you don't need rental insurance. Uh, but they may make you have it because, again, sometimes it's that uh, unit above you or below you that has a fire that starts and takes everything from you. So sure what you can't afford to lose. So even when you're watching the news, you should say, whoa, what can I learn from that? Like right now in the news, there's a purse snatcher suspect arrested. Um, don't walk around with your Social Security card. Don't walk around with extra identification in your purse. Um, I know you want to. I don't recommend it. Um, on top of that, there's, um, you know, inside your purse, you may have a credit card. And there's news out today about um, one of the credit cards, Chase Sapphire, is slashing their sign-up bonuses. And I'm pro, I'm pro using your uh, credit cards and the rewards. I have no problem with that. I think sometimes people misinterpret that with carry a balance. I don't say carry a balance. So when Chase Sapphire had this reserve card that's pretty amazing, they had a sign-up bonus of $1,500 to people who spent 4000 on the card in the first three months. It was almost too good to be true. Now, the travel's really heavily meant, or the, the bonus 1500 is really heavily meant for travel expenses. Um... And I'm pro this card, but they're going to phase out that 1500 bucks back to you. Um, it caused, uh, you know, the bonus played a big role in bringing the card so much attention, landing on the cover of Bloomberg's Business Week. When a credit card gets on the cover of Business Week, it tells you that something's pretty amazing happened. It caused $200 million to $300 million hit to earnings because they had to pay out $1,500 in bonuses. Um, but they're going to make it back over the next five to year, ten years, they expect. Um, it's got a steep $450 annual fee. Cardholders receive a $300 credit each year for any travel spending they put on the card. And that credit, like, scans your spending and does it for you. I have the card, I know. 
Um, so the big sign-up bonus slashing is coming. So you're not going to get what you used to get on that card. Um, and that's worthy of note. So um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Let's bring in Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Joining me now, Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's a mortgage lender. He's my mortgage lender. I've done a couple refis with him. I've done a couple new purchases with him. So I know that it's a process, and it's good to have someone that you trust. He's someone that I trust. Therefore, you can trust. Hi, Rob. Tony Mendez, you're here to talk today. Home improvement. Um, I bought a house that needed some work. Um, I fortunately had cash to fund it. Um, I don't think the work was worth it. But some people like to improve their homes. I myself would go with a gold toilet because sitting on a gold toilet is all that and more. But new kitchen to me, eh? Person that buys my house is going to say, I don't like that tile. Yeah. So I'm, I'm cautious about and, my home improvements. And, but you might be wrong that there is a percentage, uh, 92%, as a matter of fact, saying that um, kitchens are get the best return on your investment. Kitchen remodels. See, I disagree with right that. Right up there with siding. Siding is a, a little bit higher, 92.8%. Yeah. But small kitchen remodels, they're, they're specific at that small remodels always will give you a better return than big remodels because big remodels usually mean that you're putting more of your personal taste into it. Right. When remodels should be the basics, bathrooms, you know, new tiles on the floor, nothing fancy, no fancy gold toilets. Okay, let's stay with kitchen for a second. Kitchen. So, like, a new gas stove is better than an electric stove. That's right. an improvement that I can back. Upgrades, yes. Right. New refrigerator that saves energy is something that people instantly say, that's a nice-looking refrigerator. Right. Whereas tile and cabinets in particular, sometimes they change. You know, the taste today is not the same taste in 10 years. So you tend not to get the best bang for your buck. Bathroom, I hear, is the best bang for your buck. If you do like a spa shower, people love spa showers. Um, so spend a little money there versus uh Well, there's two things that, cabinets. that people look at. Tommy. There's uh, what they call your curb appeal. Okay. And that's why siding is the, one of the number one spots as far as the kind of improvements that you do. Okay. Uh, and then the kitchen. And that's because of the family-oriented part of a uh, single-family residence, and that would be the people who cook in the house. We'll go right to the kitchen because that's the main activity, and you're going to get more sight inside the, uh, the property. Okay. So those two reasons um, is why those are on the top. Anything else, uh, like replacing roofs and windows, they get a lot less return, uh, lower than 80% per dollar. So you have to be really careful about what you do. Um, and there's two reasons why people would do a remodel on their house. One, for necessity. And two, to resell their house and probably get some more money on the return. Um, if I was to resell a house, if I was for the purpose of reselling a house, I would do very little improvements that were not a necessity. Okay. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, it's, there's when you sell your house, for example, your house. I've been to your house. You don't need to do much to it. All right. Paint. Maybe a new rug in one of the rooms. But you don't have to do any kind of kitchen remodel or any bathroom remodel. Leave that up to the new buyer, especially in this kind of market. We're in a seller's market right now. Homes that are in distress are getting top dollar. And I think it's. A, I think that if you're competing against 20, 30 other homes, yeah, maybe you want to spruce it up and maybe do some special things, but not in this type of market when we're limited in the inventory. You know what I would do if I wanted to improve my home value? I would build an addition. I want to do a teardown. I try to get some square footage on a second level. 
uh, maybe tear down half of my house and build up. I, I'd be really I questionable about that because I know. that's even a more expensive type of upgrade, and you're putting more personal taste into the design. Well, and you may be eliminating more, more unless you're, you know exactly what these people want. Most homes in the Bay Area sell on one thing, square footage. The no, I would disagree. Really? I would say location. Well, locate, I think we're saying the same term. In your location, you're going to compare square footage of my house to the house next to me. That's how companies like Zillow work. Right. They see you have a 1,600-square-foot house. They see what the 2,000-square-foot house sold for, and then they factor in 25% less house. Mm-hmm. Um, so square footage is a large part of the comparables that come in to set the price of your home. So to me, if you can add square footage at the right rate, so figure out what your homes are going for in your neighborhood – and then take that extra square footage that you're going to add and multiply it. And if you can get it in that ballpark, you yeah, as may long as you don't go too big, because you never, you don't want to be the biggest house on your street. I agree. Because you're going to fall harder than anybody else. Your low, the smaller homes will dictate the price in your neighborhood as opposed to the higher, the bigger homes. Anything else that we need to know about this concept of improving your home? You know, it's. It, I think it's all about personal taste. I think where. People make the biggest mistake is they get the money from the wrong place. They okay. they they get too many home equity lines of credit and they open it for too much and they never pay it back. Yep. Um, they think that uh, improving twenty five thirty thousand dollar kitchen uh, is like oh we need it but we'll just take it out of the house. They still got to make payments on it. Yeah, I don't look at home equity line of credit as anything other than your piggy bank that you're taking from. Um, I would only take a home equity line of credit if you can, if you know that you can pay it back in a certain period of time. That's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. CES 2017, you're going to see a lot of things come out, self-driving cars, cars with new technology. You're going to see a lot of drones. Uh, One of the announcements so far is Audi is joining with NVIDIA in the race amongst automakers and tech companies to bring a fully self-driving car to the market. Uh, Amazon, not Amazon, but NVIDIA was one of the top companies last year in terms of stock performance based on, whoa, virtual reality is cool. What's inside virtual reality? NVIDIA chips or hardcore 3D graphic chips, which NVIDIA and ATI, uh, AMD are two big players. On top of that, uh, whoa, what was big last year? Self-driving cars uh, and the sensors that drive it and the you know, the computer chips that, you know, do the algorithms uh, on crazy fast levels. Uh, you play video games with driving in them. Oddly enough, NVIDIA is in those, and that is a, it jumps really nice from video games to the real world. Elsewhere out there, automakers had a record 2016, but the streak is going to end next year very well likely. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, 
Back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. Um, I'm back. It's a new year. I'm excited. It's a new year. Uh, do you work the same way? Do you get kind of excited from things like that? I do. So, money, investing, and more. It's kind of the areas that I, I feel comfortable in. Um, I kind of let other people do weather. I kind of let mechanics be mechanics. I used to be a mechanic when I was in high school. I wasn't really a mechanic, but I was able to fix cars and change my oil. And Cars were a lot easier. They were a lot less digital. They were plug this big pipe into this little thing here, get uh, spark plugs. Spark plugs aren't as important today, it seems. And like I'm like, why aren't spark plugs? And I'm like, ah, forget it. I don't want to know kind of thing. Um, anyway, I will do my very, very best to honor you and your attention by giving you the best show possible. Um, one of the things I know a lot of people like are stock ideas. And, you know, there's there's no shortage of lists out there. And that's one of the things that I want to beg you, be careful on. There's no shortage of tips. I say you can pick your nose. You can pick your friends, but you can't yeah. pick your friend's nose. Um, you can pick your stocks. You can pick your friends, but you can't pick your friend's stocks. Um, I don't take advice from anyone. I'll listen and go, uh-huh, uh-huh, I'll look. And I do. And I think you know the rapid pace of innovation since 2007 when the iPhone was introduced 10 years ago, the world's changed. 2007 was about the time we saw Twitter. 2007 was about the time we saw Facebook. A lot happened in the world of technology in the world in 2007. We started getting big increases in storage. We started getting big increases in graphic processors. Um, we got the genetic code decoded for less than a million dollars per person. A lot of cool things happen, so I'm going to do my best to keep up with that change. Let's go to a phone call. Who do we have? Robert in Burlingame. How are you, Robert? Hi, good, Rob. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to ask you about floating rate funds. Uh, you know, to sort of park some money, they seem pretty good. Uh, how safe are they? Um, just what do you think about that? Um, Sure, um, and thanks for the call. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of floating rate funds. Um, it's a hot investment that has kind of come in and cooled. Um, investors pull money in and out of exchange-traded funds that are uh, floating rate funds. The funds aren't likely to see big losses, but if you're like many other investors, there's a good chance you aren't using them the right way. Floating rate funds typically are made by banks to companies that carry below investment grade ratings. So, again, this is just this is tough radio for a lot of people. The floating rate loan, uh, typically, it's made by banks. You got that to companies that carry below investment grade ratings. So they're struggling. So they're lending money to companies that are struggling, or they're not hitting their prime. Yields are tied to short-term interest rates, and they can adjust every one to three months if rates rise or fall. Investors have glommed onto them because they give relatively big payouts, and that's where you're kind of getting into that 
Robert, you're getting in that kind of greed angle of you're looking for something that's relatively safe that has a relatively high payout. And the two don't necessarily go hand in hand. I love that you're thinking this way. And the way I would think of it is I'm creating income that's on the risky side. So if we're living in a linear world, and we don't really live in a linear world, we live in an explosive growth world, but the linear chart would be on the left, safety, on the right, aggressive or risky. And you're getting paid for your risk with a higher yield on the right side, but you're going to have to balance it with some stuff on the left side. In my opinion, a lot of investors expect interest rates to continue to rise this year. Um, and they should, if everything goes like it should, from headlines from the media that Trump is going to throw a trillion dollars into infrastructure. But the reality is, we don't really know how much of this is going to get done. We've heard some pretty good ideas on, like, oh, yeah, we're going to focus on, like, for instance, earlier this week, uh, Republicans were talking about limiting the authority of the House Ethics Committee. And everyone's like, oh, see, Trump gets into office and like he, he's not going to let the people get investigated for ethics violations. And then Trump's like, no, let's not focus on that. Let's focus on other things that are more important. And no one said, see. So we don't really know what's going to get done and what's not, according to his presidency. Uh, traditional bond funds, whose prices rise when yields fall, have reaped a lot of the awards of changes in the falling interest rate environment. But we're in the rising interest rate environment. No one can predict interest rate moves ultimately as well as you think you can. Now, again, if you're going on the assumption that we're going to get higher inflation because of higher spending, um, I think you're thinking the right way. Um, but floating rate bank loans... When you invest in them, it's important to understand that you know the basics are that they're made again by big banks, um, but they're given to companies that have low credit. So you're giving them to companies that may or may not pay it back. Now, again, generally, you hope that most loans get paid back, but the reality is that's not the case. Um, the loans are called floating rate because the interest that are paid to you adjust periodically, typically 30 to 90 days, um, and it's tied towards LIBOR. Um, I think we're not going to see four rate hikes in 2017 unless everything falls into place exactly like the media expects it to. Now, the media typically can't see some things coming. Um, do we start a war? Do we see... Like, there's things that could be totally different that will play things out. Um, the size of the credit spread depends on things like credit quality of the borrower, the value of the collateral. Again, if you want to do it, I'm good with it. As long as you see on the linear scale, you're taking risk to get a higher rate. It's not like, woohoo, Robert and Burlingame found out the secret to higher rates. It's not that simple, and I'm not against it. And parking short-term money is probably okay, but things aren't going to play out the way we want them to. They never, ever do. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.